if I might just show you a valentine I got. This, this is the kind of valentine that people get from me, you know. Show this. You see that? You're an excellent friend. <clears throat> you want to be seated? Go ahead and be seated, okay? <clears throat> so uh, <clears throat> this was the most unique one I got. Can you see away in the back? Can you see that? So, all right, you're an excellent friend. <clears throat> and then on the back of it, here is the here's the the message. You got the message on the back of it. Now nobody signed this. I don't know who did it, but it says you're a good pastor for the church. Pastor. I think I think the person who gave me this is Ernest Allen. Is that right, Ernest? Where's Ernest? Stand up. He's in the class. He's in the class. All right, we won't give him a hand. I was going to give him a big hand for this. I just thought I'd show you some of these Valentines, or at least one Valentine that I got. I went, got Sister Grant a real nice Valentine, and got her a big uh, chocolate, uh, uh, a box of chocolates, heart-shaped, you know, and all the lace and the frills, and Charlie and I sit down and watch her open it. She's opening it up and close it back. <laughs> we just sat there. And she looked at us, and she said, what are you, what, what are you looking at? Well, the candy, you know. <clears throat> she thought it was hers. <laughs> So you know what she did? She doesn't like dark chocolate. And uh, I don't know why when I read what was in it, I, I overlooked the fact that it has a lot of dark chocolate in it. Can you believe I did that? But <clears throat> as sure as the day is long, I overlooked for some reason or another. I mean, I read it. I remember reading it, but something didn't click then. But I got some, I got a box that had some dark chocolate. So she shared the dark chocolate with Charlie and I. I love dark chocolate. <laughs> How many of you like dark chocolate? All right. She likes the milk chocolate better. And Charlie likes dark chocolate. He just loves it. All right. Now, we're going to switch over mics now. I, I really do appreciate your prayers. I have just been earnest. Come out here. Come out here. Okay, everybody, right now. He know he doesn't know what it's all about, and he didn't wait around to find out, so we'll just leave. Now he's gonna go in there and he's gonna say, What did they do that for? So if he comes and asks you after church, you tell him, say, you have to see Pastor Grant. <laughs> Praise God. I do appreciate your prayers, seriously. I just really have struggled with this knee. I'm scheduled to have surgery at the university hospital next Tuesday. I'll just go in. They will put me to sleep. 
They will look inside of my knee joint there and do whatever needs to be done and sew it back up. And I'll spend about a half day there and I'll come home so I will not be admitted to the hospital. And uh, <clears throat> I'm uh, looking forward to just getting this behind me. It's just been a very, very difficult thing. Some days I can make it pretty good and some days I can't. Truthfully, the evenings are the worst because you've been on your feet, so to speak, all day long. Even though I've used a cane, I've used crutches, it's, it's been a difficult thing for me. But I'm really looking forward to getting this behind. Praise God. Acts 4. I want to title this message tonight, The Main Thing. You may stand if you'd like. I don't usually say if you'd like, but I feel a little bit embarrassed being seated while you are standing. Acts 4, and what I'd like to do, I'd like to read verse 31 and verse 32, and we'll make reference to several other, several other scriptures in Acts 4, the main thing. I remember reading a statement that said the main thing is to make the main thing the main thing. I don't know if you've heard that before. The only way I could under, the only way I think that it could be a little bit uh, better is if we lived in Maine. So <laughs> if we lived in Maine, we could make the main thing the main thing in Maine. All right, in Acts 4. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, and they had all things common. And verse 33 and with great power gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You may be seated. The main thing. The main thing is to make the main thing the main thing. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I remember when I was just a kid, I had a country western song. Uh, it was called, uh, what was it called now? It. Oh, I was looking back to see. How many of you heard that? Charlie's heard that. Several of you. How many of you young ones have never heard that? Now, Sister Grant could sing that. Now, she says she's not going to. She's a little bit like Sister Peggy. Uh, but anyway, if you hear the song, you get so mixed up. Because you never know when to stop it. Stop saying the same thing. It's, I was looking back to see if you were looking back to see if I was looking back to see if you were looking back at me. <clears throat> so there's a whole lot of looking back going on. <clears throat> Anybody know all the words of that song? Had something about a Model T in there. Jan does. You don't know them all. Okay. But it had something about What was the deal about the Model T, Sister Grant? Oh, you were cute as you could be standing looking back at me. What about the Model T? Though? What was that, Jan? And it's plain to see you were standing by your Model T or something like that. 
Well, at any rate, well, that has no relevance on this at all. <laughs> like one, one lady came to me one time and said, I'd like to know what you meant by what you said. I said, I don't have any idea myself. <laughs> I have no idea what I meant. Why did you say it? I said, I don't have any idea why I said it. She said she was feeling about it, and I concurred that she had a right to feel bad because I was feeling bad about it too. Now, I really have a purpose in, in, in all this. I don't want you to forget the title of this because sometimes just the title of something will help you to remember the essence of the message, the main thing. You know, there is no doubt in my mind that the average Christian of the book of Acts found something in God that the average Christian today is not finding. Now, when I talk about the main thing, I'm really talking about prayer. Now, I, I've been speaking somewhat about prayer, and this is, this is a very difficult time for me to address this, and the reason why is because last Saturday night at our prayer meeting, I was not able to attend. I was just in so much pain, honestly. I just could not walk. I just, I called Brother Thomas. I had Sister Grant. I called him. I went to bed early. I slept till 8.15 on Sunday morning. I was just the whole weekend. I just, I just really did have a tough time. And then some of the pre-service prayer meetings I have not been going. I've been sitting in my office and praying. And for the last four or five months, I've just been sitting in a chair and praying. And we're talking about a foot washing service. The only way I could wash anybody's feet is if they couldn't came and stood on the table. Now, you, Because I just haven't been able, and, and I regret this, but sometimes, you know, you get to feeling guilty about something because you can't cooperate or participate in the fashion in which you'd like to. But I will say this, as far as prayer is concerned, I don't think I've ever had a better time in prayer than I've had in the last, in the last few months. And I, I believe that, that uh, you know, there are certain things that, that there are certain things that that can be taken from you, and certain things will never leave you. And if you keep your priorities right, nobody—I mean, absolutely nobody—can rob you of your relationship with God. And and this is basically what I what I want to talk about. Now, prayer is the main thing. First Corinthians, First Chronicles, pardon me, twenty-eight, verse nine. Uh, David was addressing Solomon, his son, and Solomon was to become the successor to his father's throne. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the Lord of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all imaginations of the thoughts. 
If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Now, there's a lot of interesting things found in, in this one scripture. First thing I want to talk about is just knowing God. Now, there's a vast difference between knowing God and knowing about God. Because when a person backslides, what happens is they don't keep that relationship alive. Therefore, they know about God instead of knowing God. In other words, the relationship deteriorates. And, and I, I like to read certain facts of history. I've checked out of the library a lot of biographies over the years. Most all the great men of the past I've, I've read about. But there's a vast difference in knowing about them and knowing them. Now some of the books, because of the abilities of certain writers, that it's almost like you know the person. When, when you finish uh, the book, I read a book about Robert E. Lee, and then I read a book about uh, General Grant. And, and, of course, these books were prompted because of their service in the Civil War. And when I, when I finished uh, reading the books, I felt like I didn't know Grant at all because he was kind of a strange guy, you know. <clears throat> Somebody asked me if I was related to him, and I said, I don't know. I traced my family tree back, and I got back to Jesse James, and I got afraid, and I stopped looking. (laughs) That was just a joke. But at any rate, uh, I read the book about Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee, I didn't know this, but he was undecided as to which side he was going to fight on, you know. And he did not wholeheartedly, as most of you know, embrace the philosophy of the Southerners. But he didn't want to forsake Virginia. And so he stood with Virginia. And throughout the war, you got the feeling that this man's fighting on the wrong side. And when I finished the book, I felt like I really knew the man. But the truth of the matter is, I just knew a lot about the man. Now, I said that to say that knowing a lot about the person and having special insights certainly gives you a closeness to the person. But there's still a vast difference in knowing about and knowing the person. There is a vast difference. So there's a lot of people that know about God. But my intent is to know God and continue. Continue in that relationship. You know, concerning the birth of Jesus, there's just an amazing amazing deduction that I pick up when I read about Jesus. When Jesus was born... There were just a handful of people that that knew that Jesus was born. Actually, I'm not for sure just how many people, because the Bible doesn't say how many shepherds. We assume three. I think that's probably more of a tradition. But let's say if there were three, 
And then the wise men who traveled from the east, and obviously they didn't come that particular night, but they saw the star. And they came from the east. They came to Jerusalem. And tradition, and this is only tradition, tells us three wise men. We don't really know there could have been one. There could have been, well, I guess it had to be more than one if it's plural. Could have been two, but there could have been five. But because they brought three gifts, we just kind of make the assumption three wise men. And then, of course, there's Mary and there's Joseph. And there's Mary, not Mary, but Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And Zacharias, who was a priest. And, and then it had been revealed to Simeon, the high priest, and to Anna, a prophetess. So when you, when you, when you get those all added up, we have, let's say, three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, about twelve people, a dozen people. Now, perhaps others knew, but uh, not too many, just a handful of people. But the amazing thing about it is that the wise men that Jesus revealed himself to, that made himself known to, they knew him, but they didn't know enough about him to even know where to look for him. You know, you can be a brand new convert to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can... And you can know a whole lot about God. You can know God, rather not know a whole lot about God. And you're far better off to know God and know little about God than to know a whole lot about God and not know God. And so, these men who knew, these men who the Lord had revealed himself to, they went to Herod. They said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. The Bible says that Herod then quickly sought counsel with the scribes. And when he began to talk with the lawyers and the scribes, they had the right answer, didn't they? So what about the king of the Jews? Where They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written. Now, do you have any idea what these wise men call wise men, these, these priests and scribes? Do you have any idea what they did during the course of the day? They spent all of their day looking into the Bible. I mean, that's all they did. Now, you can pick up a whole lot of information about God by looking in the Bible. We were down at the barn just the other day, and Sister Grant let out a blood-curdling scream. Now, she is, Sister Grant, she just reacts, you know, just oh, typical for ladies, you know. So, and she just, Wah! you know, and the cats are running and climbing the walls. The dog runs out and. Charlie runs in there. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? She said, there, there's a rat. What a rat. Not a mouse, but a rat. And there's two inches of board underneath the grain bins. And 
would you believe that, that a rat chewed a hole through that two-inch board? And what we did was we, we sat there and watched this thing would poke its head up, and we saw there must have been four or five rats underneath there. So, wow, ugh, I hate rats, don't you? And Sister Grant said, how can they gnaw a hole through a two-inch board? I said, well, do you have any idea what that rat's responsibility through the course of the day is? He has nothing to do but gnaw. I meant nothing. That's all he has to do. I meant while we're eating a nice meal, he's gnawing. You know, while we're getting dressed for church, he's gnawing. While we're at church praying, he's gnawing. While I'm up here preaching, he's still gnawing. Now, he doesn't have to take off much at one time, but he just through that continual gnawing. I mean, he, he, I mean, he gets deep into the board, and it doesn't take him too long. Now, I said, that, say, you can get deep into the Bible. You can get deep into anything if you spend that much time. Did you know that if you spend as much time learning scriptures as you did at learning Acts 2.38, you could possibly learn the whole Bible. Noah Webster was one of two men in all of history that memorized the entire Bible. He quoted the Bible without missing a word in 72 hours. Now this man is dead and gone. I sure hope that he knew God. It would be a shame to know that much about God and not know God. Now, what are you trying to say? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a tragedy to have this much time on your hands to do nothing but read and study the Scripture, and yet the very God that gave you the book that every man has access to by simply going and praying and communicating with Him, that you'd spend all your time learning about Him and never get engaged with Him, to know him personally. Now you think about that. But that's all you have to do. So I determined that if I can't make as many steps for God, I can't make as many trips for God, if I can't do some of the things while I'm laid up with this bad leg, that I'm going to make the best of this journey and I'm going to learn a few things about God. And yet at the same time, I'm going to know more things about my relationship that teaches me to appreciate him and love him. In essence, just to know him. Just to know him. Now you notice what, what happens here in the scripture. The Bible says that you may know the Lord. And serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. You cannot serve God with a perfect heart and a willing mind unless you know God. You may know about him. I taught Sunday school classes in which we had a lot of interaction. People, students raising their hand. And did you know that sometimes the people can answer the most questions to the ones that have the biggest problem walking with God? Have you ever noticed that? 
And here's a person that's new in the church. They don't hardly know any scripture. And, and yet they, they, just, they just love God and they just appreciate God so much. The night when we were worshiping, Brother Chris Zimmerman ran around the corner. I saw him come around the corner. It looked like his eyes were closed. And he was swinging around the corner. And I was over here where Brother Manley was. I just closed my eyes. I said, oh, no, I, I can't move to get out of his way anyway. And if he crashes into me, I'd rather not see it. <clears throat> but I thought, now, here's a young man. Then, then Brother, Brother Jeff Baum. The, these, these men are fairly newcomers. That doesn't mean that because they run and you don't run, that you've lost something with God. Some of you never have run. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about just young men that are interested in keeping a vibrant relationship with God. It's just so important. And you know that Jesus is coming back real soon. Wouldn't Wouldn't it be something of all the money you poured into this operation, of all the many times you came here, of all the times you became frustrated teaching your class? You do that, don't you? You know, you're in there teaching these little children. You need to love everybody and you feel like choking some of them. <laughs> Makes me love everybody. <laughs> Ring your neck. <clears throat> you ever had that to happen? You know. <laughs> but you spend all this time and all this and come in here and go through all the mechanics of worship and everything. And then the rapture take place and you not go up. With a willing mind and a perfect heart. That only comes with knowing God, not knowing about God. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all imaginations of the thoughts. If thou wilt seek him, he will be found to thee. And I've taught quite a bit on seeking God. I think this is an area of prayer that corporate prayer. Listen to me very carefully. That corporate prayer has ignored. You know, sometimes we we get so excited about praying with each other. I'm for that. But if the only prayer that you ever have is pre-service prayer and in the prayer rooms, and you don't have that special time alone with God, Now, the, the story, ironically, the story I read in Acts 4 is a corporate prayer meeting that's taking place. But what makes the corporate prayer meeting so effective is the individual seeking of God. So that when you're in the presence of God, it's not what you say. It's not how you say it, but it's the frame of mind that you're in. You need God. You seek after God. You're questing for a deeper relationship. Now, if you seek him, he will be found of thee. Have you ever talked to the person that says, I don't know if God even hears me? You know, I've had people tell me that. And that's a hard one to deal with. It's a hard one to deal with. You know, like the person says, is there really a God? 
We say, well, sure. How do you know? Have you seen him? No, I haven't seen him. Well, we know that the whole universe will stand up one day as a witness against man. Because his creation, his creation, his creation proves the validity of a God. And yet scientists say, well, I mean, how in the world? I mean, how could a... Well, no, you, you just think about it just for a moment. You Think about the universe. Does it, does it have an end? Can you possibly... Can you possibly even imagine traveling forever in outer space and never coming to the end? But what if all of a sudden you came to the end? Then what's beyond that? You may say nothing. Well, that's what space is. And I had some dumb atheist one time to ask me, now you explain that. I said, well, let me ask you something. If there is no God, then you explain it too. Said, I don't have the answer to that, neither do you have the answer to that. That doesn't prove one thing about there is no God or there is a God. Just because you don't have an answer to a question. Does that prove anything? Well, you know, we just, just the Big Bang Theory, you know, just all of a sudden, you know. Can, can, can you believe that, that maybe some tornado could take place and, and, and just blow refrigerators and junk cars and everything through, through the air and all of a sudden it, it fell into place and it was a, a Boeing 747 jumbo jet? Well, the possibility of that happening is much greater than some big bang that brought about a human eye and an ear. But you think about it for a moment. You just think about that for a moment, see? But the thing about it is, the person who says, well, I don't know about God. I don't know if God. Sometimes Christians get hung up on that. That's just, an, that's just a phase that you go through in Christianity. There are times in which you hear clearly the voice of God, and there are times in which you don't. You may say, well, I never hear. It's because you're not seeking God. It's because you need to seek God. I mean, seek God just like you would seek after anything in life. If you spend as much time seeking God as you do things, you'd come out with a vibrant belief. And an almighty. And then of course. Here's the positive and the negative. Thou will forsake him. He will cast thee off forever. If thou will seek him. He will be found to thee. Isn't that. That's just great. It's just great. Now what I want to do. Is go back to Acts 4. Because there are a few things in here I want to cover. And what I cover. I'd like to cover quite well. If I don't get it all. But as you know. The apostles, Peter and John, were placed in prison. They were placed in prison, beaten, because they were preaching Jesus. Now, they they weren't just preaching about Jesus. They were preaching Jesus. 
They were preaching Jesus. There is a difference in preaching about Jesus and preaching Jesus. So they were preaching Jesus. I talked to some Mormons one time, and, 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 and I asked them, how much do you preach Jesus? Oh, we preach about Jesus. I said, let me ask you, do you mention Jesus as much as you do Joseph Smith, Brigham Young? Well, he's just another person in, in, you know, in, in the successive line of prophets. Do you believe in the New Testament? Yes. Well, the apostles didn't go around preaching Isaiah, Ezekiel, Moses. Preached Jesus. They weren't placed in prison for any other reason than they just simply preached Jesus. Now, the amazing thing about this encounter in prison is that when people prayed for them, and when they prayed, they were praying for something a little bit, I think probably of a little different flavor, maybe content even, than what maybe I'd pray about or you'd pray about. Now, I, I know that some of you are great spiritual giants, and you, we never know what we're going to do until we're in trouble. I, I could truthfully say, I don't know whether I'd give my life for the Lord or not. You may say, well, people in the Bible did. Well, I mean, I may say I would, but I think at that moment that, that God would give me the grace to do this. I'd like to think, but I, I don't want in, in any... Uh, just off the top of my head or off the cuff, say, Oh, I would never deny thee, Lord. It was done by some that did. We were taught by Paul that in the moment we think we stand, take heed lest we fall. So you never know what you're going to do when you're in trouble. But did you know in the Bible when men were in prison, you can't find in the New Testament one prayer in which a man prayed Specifically for himself. You talk about unselfish. They always prayed that the glory of God would be revealed. Isn't that something? Listen to this. In verse 29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that they with all boldness may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. They were more interested in the furtherance of God's kingdom than they were, than they were in, in, in their own personal safety or anything else. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, I've had people in the last few months, I've had people to question, how come we don't have miracles like they had in the Bible? Well, first place, I don't have the answer to that. I would like to see many more miracles. But the thing that disturbs me about this is that most of the people saying this are people that you can't even hardly get to come to church regularly. When they come, they want to see, they want to see people slain in the spirit and stacked up like cardwood. You know, they want to see cancer dropping off and everything. I'm serious. I've had, I've had a few people tell me, well, why come we don't see that? Well, if we, if we saw it, you'd miss most of it. (laughs) 
In, in other words, are you involved in this basically for what you get out of it? Is Christianity more of a plan to get than it is to give? Is that, is that the essence of all of this? If so, you'll end up knowing a whole lot about God. But you won't know the God. I can truthfully say, in all the years I've been pastoring, I have never pastored one person that had a deep desire to know God that had hang-ups with Christian standards and such. Because when there's a crucifixion of the will, there is always an eagerness, a readiness to just follow God. And a lot of the things that are happening out in the world, they don't mean one thing to a person that really knows God. That really knows God. And so here they were praying. Now the first thing that happened when they were praying, the Bible says the place where they prayed was shaken. Now, I, I'm assuming that the physical building was shaking. I don't know that, but it does mention the place where they prayed. Maybe it was talking about the floor. I don't know that. I do know this, though, that their prayers were so effective that 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 they were shaken individually into what should i say they were they were shaken individually into such a mold that that they they blended we we see that each person understood his particular part now i wonder sometimes you know if we're expecting supernatural results without rendering supernatural service We want something supernatural out of something that's not so supernatural on our part. Now, by that I mean, you know, you're tired. You say, oh, I can't do this. Have you ever tried to do this with the help of the Lord? You follow what I'm saying? Do you understand that sometimes a, a full night's rest doesn't really give you rest? Let me ask, how many of you have at one time or another, you have awakened in the morning just dead tired? Look at all the hands. Now, all of you are testifying to the fact that sometimes a night's rest just doesn't cut it. <clears throat> Isn't that right? Yeah. Now, let me ask you this, though. How many of you have stayed up way late at night working on some hobby? That you had. And you just really enjoyed it so much. And you woke up at the crack of dawn the next day ready to work on it again. Has that ever happened to you? And you know the reason why that happens to you? Because according to your interest, the adrenaline gets to flowing. And the body always seems to produce enough energy to do 
what you are extremely interested in doing. Doesn't it work that way? Man, I've seen people, you, you'd say, they'd start projects say, you never will finish that project because you're working 10 hours a day, six days a week. You can't finish that. You go by their house four or five months later, they're like that rat that gnaws. Just every chance they get, they just gnaw a little bit. In other words, they just work on that and work on it 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 and work on it. And they work on it. The Apostle Paul talks about saints who were addicted to the ministry of the saints. Now that's someplace in the Bible. Does anybody know? I'm going to take a guess now. Okay, I'm going to guess 1 Corinthians 16 someplace. I know it's in 1 Corinthians 16. That's actually not a guess. But let's just turn there and see if we can find this, okay? Okay, 1615. Brother Thomas, stand up and read it loudly, would you? Oh, look at that. Computer. <clears throat> can you believe this? <clears throat> it gives you more time to know God... All right, read it for us, Brother Rich. <laughs> Oops, is that in the computer? That's, that's good. Addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, I was concerned about that. Oops, in there, you know. <laughs> We went too far, okay? Man, I'll tell you, some things don't go together. You know, someone, because of my surgery coming up, they said, you know what, you have to watch, Brother Grant. I, you, you make sure they put you to sleep. So the worst thing you can ever hear a doctor say when he's, is, whoops. <laughs> Would you believe in Texas I had a dentist? His name was Dr. Hurt. I am serious with you. Wasn't that true, Sister Grant? Dr. Hurt. I mean, when you got to the door to go in, you you knelt and prayed. <laughs> Unfortunately, in our little one-horse town, he was the only dentist around. It's either hurt when you go see hurt or just hurt when you don't see hurt. <clears throat> At any rate, you always hurt. <clears throat> An addiction. You know, there's some people that are addicted to giving. Some of you are addicted to giving. I mean, it's an addiction with you. If you make $5, you're going to find a way to give somebody something. I'm serious with you. Come on, say, I'm trying to brag you up, you know. <clears throat> There's some people that are addicted to prayer. I mean, some addictions are good. Isn't that right? Some addictions are not so good. Somebody asked me, said, do you drink coffee? And I said, yes. I said, oh, that's addicting. I said, yeah, but that's not all I do that's addicting. I eat bacon and sausage and eggs and all that. That's addicting too. <clears throat> no, seriously speaking, listen to me. That when you, have, when you actually know God, and you share with God, and God shares with you, you're interested in the things he's interested in. How can, how can we claim to be Christian if we're doing things that he's not interested in? 
You should never watch one thing that Jesus would not watch. You should never go one place that Jesus cannot go. You shouldn't laugh about things that Jesus wouldn't laugh about. Do you follow what I'm saying? No. I am not the type of person I believe that everything is, is, is just black or white as far as sin is concerned, you know. Now, I know there's a lot of people that are that way. It's just, in other words, you go down so far and everything to the right is sin, everything to the left is okay, or vice versa. I think there's some gray areas. I've had people say, oh, Brother Grant, everything's either right or wrong. No, there's some things that are wrong because you make it wrong. And there's some things that's right because you make it right. I tell people, you can fish all you want to as long as you're responsible. You make a living for your family. You take care of your family. You come to church regularly. You support the work of the Lord. Now, you may not fish as much as you want to fish. Like the little girl came up to Sister Grant. Sister Grant says, where were you all this past weekend? She said, we were tamping. It's camping, you know, it's tamping. We only can tamp on Sundays. When tamping interferes, vacations are fine. But don't take one every week. You follow what I'm saying? You know, in other words, some things are sinful because you simply make them sinful. And some things are okay simply because that you know how to regulate it and you know how to you know how to control it and you know how to put God into it. So some things might be wrong for me that'd be right for you, and some things might be right for you that would be wrong for me. But the essence of all of this is that we must exercise supernatural faith in God and we must give supernatural physical shaking or or what, I don't know. But it seemed to shake the people and mold the people and blend the people so that they work for a common cause. Because we do know that out of this came supernatural fullness. What do you mean by supernatural fullness? Everybody's need was met. Miracles. Read the book of Acts. See, when Paul says we're complete in him, complete in him. Let me me just talk about completeness for a moment. How long have I been talking up here? An hour? I don't know when I start. I don't know when the classes are going to be dismissed, but they're coming out pretty soon. But, you know... When the Bible says, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's a lot of people afraid of the truth. Do you know that? Now, just like the little child that's afraid of the truth because he's stolen something. You know, you can question everybody. And uh, at times you don't get the truth. You say, no, I didn't do that. No, I didn't. You, you know. And sometimes you even know you have evidence, but the, the child won't fess up, so to speak. You know what? Because the child is afraid of the consequences of truth. 
But, you know, adults now, all, most everybody that I know, including myself, that there, there are certain things that, w- w- truth, we, we'd, rather not, we'd rather not deal with it. Because, see, the truth doesn't leave any stones unturned. The truth uncovers. Truth is stubborn. Facts, facts don't budge. They don't bend. They don't change. That's why they're truth. Facts, that's why it's called truth. And sometimes people don't seek God and, 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 and they don't get involved in God. They'd rather know about God than know God because there's too many stones that are turned up. There's too many thoughts and the intents of the heart that are revealed. You learn a lot about yourself. Now let me just, just point out something. Did you know that most people, see, they, they, these, these, when we talk about fullness, most people that I know of that are judgmental, most judgmental type people have an inferiority complex. You know that? My brother Devin, where's brother Devin Hackle? I see he has a degree in psychology. I have to really watch what I say. <clears throat> okay. Brother Devin, just close your ears in case I don't say this the way you believe it, you know. <laughs> but but most people who are judgmental, they have an inferiority complex. And the truth of the matter is they're, they're afraid to get involved in true heart-rendering relationships with people because the true, the, the identity of the person is uncovered and revealed. Most gossip is just a fruit of an unforgiving spirit. And people who have an inferiority complex, low self-esteem, number one, they can never forgive themselves for anything. So when things happen to them, they blame themselves. Now, they take the opposite view in arguing with you because they don't want to reckon with that aspect. And the common thing is I will tear everybody else down because in doing so I feel better about myself. And if we have anybody running around this church wagging their tongue, you need to just take your tongue and lay it out on the chopping block before God and say, Lord, put the sword to my tongue. But you know what will happen? That tongue will just grow back out like a, like a crawdad's tail or leg. Because you've got to get inside. You've got to say, Lord, you've got to work me over inside. Not shaking in the presence of God will cause that to happen. They manifested supernatural faith. They had supernatural prayer. They received a supernatural shaking. Supernatural fullness came their way. Now, as a result, the first thing that happened, God gave them supernatural boldness. You know the reason why some Christians are not bold? Because they're more interested in the kingdom of self than they are the kingdom of God. Oh, there's nothing wrong 
with you. You just need to pray for boldness. I mean, these people in the Bible had to pray for it. There's nothing wrong with being weak in the spirit. Seems to me like even Jesus said the flesh was weak, but the spirit is willing. What, didn't he say that? But for some reason we think that this, oh, we can't do this. I remember when I first went out and did street work and knocked on doors. And, you're talking about, man, I was shaking like a leaf. Just, I mean, oh, man. Get on my knees and pray, Lord, I want to do this. I need this confidence. I prayed for boldness. You know, God can give you boldness. He had to give them boldness. He can give you boldness. Now, we usually associate boldness with arrogance. And did you know that a lot of people that that know about God, instead of knowing God, that when they do manifest the boldness, it is indeed a streak of arrogance that comes out. You notice that? This is the reason why that as a Christian, there are times when you need to take a back seat and say, now, Lord, you do the work. I'm going to do the praying because I'm putting too much of myself into this. This is why we ask people, if you pray for people, the altar, be careful about how you lay hands on them and such. Because the tendency of people is that if I put myself physically into this, guess what's going to happen? If nothing happens, at least they're going to be impressed. It just seems to be. You know, some people, and they get in the habit of this. If, you know, they, there are, and there's some of you that you would rather me just take you and just shake the daylights out of you than, than just pray a simple prayer over you. Why? Well, because, you know, this just seems like I care more. But there are times, and you've got to put faith in God. There are times when the service is going, and, and, and I just like for Brother Manley or myself or whoever leading the service, just walk away from the pulpit and leave it open and say, Now, Lord, you brought this down. This is not orchestrated by some human being. But needs are being met by, by God upon these people. And I'm going to walk away and let you be in control and let you take this thing and let you move. You shape the people. You make them feel complete. You do this. But I'm talking about a boldness that comes as a result of knowing him. Where you go out because you have a real burden for God. You have a real burden for what he has a burden for. You care for the things that he cares for. Supernatural boldness. You know what else happened? They had supernatural submission. They submitted to each other. Now, the reason why is because... Now, let me, let me just... I really don't know how to explain this, but I, I want to explain it right. Anytime you help someone, you should never help someone in order to rule over them. In order to impress them with your giving. In order to impress them with your wealth or whatever. See, only in giving 
by opening your hand. This is the only conclusive evidence that you'll ever have in this world that you've conquered greed. But if your motive is not right, if you're trying to say, I want to show you how God blesses people that give. So here it is. And I've seen people do this. They have, a, they have kind of a cunning way of ruling over people, of walking around people and making people feel that, no, you know the reason why we give? Because we really care and we'd like to be on the same level. And God has put us in a position to level the ground with our brother. This is part of the submission. Let every man esteem his brother higher than himself. And a superior can always judge a subordinate. Did you know that? But if you elevate your brother as your superior, that means you just eternally lock your jaws and condemn your own action if you ever judge him because you are his subordinate. We're talking about supernatural submission. And what about this supernatural unity? They were all with one heart and a one soul. The foot washing services, Brother Mandler mentioned. It's really a good time to bond, to unify, to put yourself together with your brother and sister in the Lord. Let me tell you something. Calvary Gospel Church, there cannot be any big eyes and little U's. It can't be that way. Now I know that you may be the best of friends with someone and, and everybody here has a special friend. But did you know, if you have a special friend, why don't you and your special friend why don't you look around for somebody that doesn't have a friend and say, let's include this person in our circle of fellowship. Isn't that what it's all about? All of that resulted in this, and great grace was upon them. What is grace? It is the divine leading of the heart. It is unmerited favor. It brought about a supernatural revival. Oh, God. You know, I wish you'd just bow your heads right now. Maybe I've said something tonight that has struck a real chord in your heart. Maybe there's a tender spot or maybe a... Maybe a little spot in there that smarts a little hurts a little why don't you just seek the mind of God momentarily would you do that oh I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost here we got to keep the main thing the main thing the main thing is our relationship with God it's knowing him Great grace was upon them all. Oh, hallelujah.
Oh, praise God. Do we have anybody here who'd like to get up and just come down to the altar and kneel and pray? Anybody would like to do that? Any guest of ours, if you'd like to know God in a supernatural way, why don't you come on down here? Oh, praise God. That's it. Come on right now. We have people who are coming. You want to know God in a new dimension? Why don't you step out and come on right now? Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, the Lord is so wonderful. I love you, Jesus. 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 Oh, God. That's it. Find a place to pray. Oh, thank you, God. Come on. If you're a guest of ours, come on and kneel at our altar tonight. Give your heart to God. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Our altar captains. Go to someone. Find someone. Would you do that? Oh, praise God. God is so good. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus is alive and real. We want our praise singers to come if they would. That's it. Give your heart to God. Submit yourself to the mighty hand of God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Unde sakaremoto sakatna ramohoto sakamamahata Oh, God is alive, and God is good, and God is real. I love you, Lord. 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 Oh, God. Savior, 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 Lord. Jesus, in your name, in your name, in your name. Glory, 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 glory. I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. Yes. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yes, Lord.